We're going to continue on in our series this morning. Um, we're in week four of our Honor Roll city series. We're going to be finishing up next week, um, and then we'll be starting a brand new series as we kind of get into March and things of that nature. But um, we've been talking about this idea of, of honor. We've been talking about this idea of God's understanding of honor, God's definition of honor, God's desire for us to be a people that, that extend honor to each other and to live in that type of, of mindset and way. Over the last several weeks, I know we've gone over this several times, but we've kind of even looked at kind of the biblical definition of honor, honor being this idea of treating with value and, and treating as weighty, something that we put as an importance to in our lives, and dishonor being this idea of treating things as common or ordinary, and how God has really kind of given us this idea, kind of we kind of even use this idea of kind of the honor principle that we see in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. It's kind of been our our series verse that we've kind of looked at every week. Of course, we'll look again at it next week. But again, let's look at it together. First Samuel 2, the second part of that verse, God is speaking here. And he says, I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. God's basically saying here, as we honor him, as we honor the things that he honors and value those things, that God in turn will do that to us and for us in our lives. But at the same time, the other side of that coin. The principle here is if we don't do that, if we treat things and people and God as ordinary, as common, we are going to miss out on the honor and the things that God wants to do in us and through us. And, and, and here's the thing, we have to understand this concept. It's so important that we get it because we tend to live in a way that kind of is opposite of this, but it's something that we need to understand. And I've kind of waited to kind of bring this up in this week of the series for a couple reasons, but at the same time, it's important that we understand this throughout our series as we've kind of looked at this idea of honor, and it's simply this, when there is an opportunity to honor, there is also an opportunity to dishonor. Like when you have an opportunity to find something valuable in somebody or communicate that value or that importance, you also have an opportunity to do the opposite. And we tend to kind of think that that's not true. We kind of think that, that one doesn't always lead to the other. But I'll tell you, a lot of times we have that situation where God is saying, will you honor me? Will you honor those that I've placed in your life? And when we say no, it's not just no, it's a comment of basically saying, I'm going to dishonor them. I'm going to treat them as ordinary. I'm going to treat them as common. I'm not going to treat them the way God would want this to take place and want me to live my life. And in that, we miss some things. And we miss some things that God really desires to do. But this morning, before we really get into all of this, I want to kind of look at this idea of the beginning of this choice. Because it is a choice. We get to decide whether or not we're going to honor or whether we're going to dishonor. And this choice actually began a very, very long time ago. Before we jump into Ezekiel, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day and this time, this opportunity to come, to be in your presence. So, Father, I pray as we look at this that you'd open our hearts. You'd help us to understand what your Holy Spirit desires to communicate to us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be this morning 
kind of to lay some groundwork for some stuff in Ezekiel 28. Now, I want to give you a little bit of teaching when it comes to Ezekiel 28 because there is some difference of opinion with some people that are a lot smarter than I am. I have my opinion and I'm going to share that with you, but I think we need to understand the context of Ezekiel 28 a little bit so we can understand a little bit more about what God is doing here through the prophet Ezekiel. If you have your Bibles, turn them to Ezekiel 28. The screen is going to show and is right now the verses we're going to focus in on, but I want you to start, and I didn't want to put this up there, just, it's just too much to have on the screen. But if you look at Ezekiel 28, the, ver- the first verse of this um, chapter, we see that God is going to speak through the prophet Ezekiel to who the, the Bible calls the prince of Tyre, okay? The prince of Tyre. And he begins to prophesy and begins to say some things and communicate some things to Ezekiel to prophesy about this. And he shares many, many things. Now, when we start where we're going to be looking at, we're going to be starting basically with verse number 17 of Ezekiel, or excuse me, verse number 12, and go to verse number 17 of Ezekiel 28. At this point in time, I want you to notice something, okay? It'll be up on the screen, but look at verse 12. We're only going to look at verse 12, and then we'll continue in a second, okay? It says, Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. So the first part of Ezekiel 28 is specifically being written towards a prince of Tyre, and now we see this idea of something being written to the king of Tyre. And that has caused a little bit of confusion, a little bit of like, well, who is this really to, okay? I've I've written this down so I I say it correctly because I really want to make sure I got this point across because some people are saying, well, this is about the enemy. Some people say this is just about this earthly king. Who is this really dealing with? And we have to understand that if we're going to understand the context of Ezekiel 28. Here's the thing. There was a ruler over the prince, ruling over him in a spiritual sense. God spoke of the sin and the fall of the spiritual power behind the prince. So in this concept here, basically prince is lower than a king. And so these verses start out with God speaking directly to the prince of Tyre, but now he begins to shift and speak to the spiritual power behind the prince of, of, of Tyre. Okay, does that make sense? And you'll see here in a minute how, as we look at this scripture, it's going to be fairly obvious this is not about a human being. It's about the enemy of God. But I want you to see this as we begin to look at really where this choice of honor and dishonor began. So with that understanding, let's start in Ezekiel 28. We're going to look verse 12, and we're going to go down through verse 17. It says, Son of man, Sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. I'm not even going to try some of this stuff. I'm just telling, I, I, got, I got blue lapis, turquoise, emerald, green jasper, but I don't even know what a pale green peridot is. Anyway, what we're getting here is he's adorned extremely well. Okay, let's go on and continue now. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. 
your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from the place among the stones of fire. Now look here, verse 17. Your heart was full of pride because of all of your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. In Ezekiel 28, I believe that what we're seeing here is is a story of the fall of the enemy. As he was in the garden and he was in the, the high places of God and yet he chose dishonor. Now I want you to think about that for a second. This is someone who has seen the glory of God. The mighty, just awesomeness of God. And yet he chose to look differently and look at himself. He chose to dishonor him. It has been this way for a long, long time. But we can learn a couple things from this. We can learn from this ultimate display of dishonor that we need to understand. Number one, it's very easy to move from a place of honor to dishonor. It's easy. Listen, if, if, if we can do this as simply as it can happen so many times in our lives, we have to understand that we have to be diligent about it. We can't just see what happens. It has to be something that is actually a part of our lives. It's a choice that we make because it's so easy. It's so easy to go from honor to dishonor. Number two, dishonor is always waiting for its opportunity to come out. It's always sitting there. It's always crouched to an extent in the corner. And like I said, a lot of times when we choose not to honor, we've actually begun the process of dishonor. Number three, and this is a big one, we move into dishonor when we start to think more highly about ourselves than we should. One of the things that we see here in Scripture was this idea of pride, this idea of the enemy, and this is interesting, he kind of begins to take his eyes off of God and instead begins to put them on himself. How beautiful he was. And instead of worshiping the creator, he began to worship the created. And it caused a lot of issues. When dishonor enters into the situation, many, many things can happen. But the thing that we need to understand when we understand how easy it is to move in this way, we have to understand that, you know what, we have to do something different. We can't just sit back and hope this takes place because here's the thing, because of all these things, because of the choices that we make, listen, it's important that we get this. Honor must be taught because quite honestly, we've already mastered dishonor. We've already mastered it. We're great at dishonor. I mean, think about it. You can dishonor without even thinking about it. You can dishonor by your words or your actions or or so many other things. You can dishonor by the things you type. You can dishonor by the way you think. It happens so easily. So this has to be taught. We can't just expect it to happen. It has to be taught. Because of that, I want to share something this morning that I am very nervous about sharing. I want to share something this morning that quite honestly from the very beginning of the genesis of this series, I I, I really didn't want to preach. And and I'm going to just explain why. 
This morning we're going to be very specific. And I know I could have been a, made it a little bit easier on myself. <laughs> and I could have broadened this out. And every time I wanted to broaden it out, God kept bringing it in. And I said, God, I really don't want to do this. And he said, uh, I'm asking you to do a hard thing. I'm asking you to trust me. And I'm asking you to trust the people. So in the heart of trying to be obedient, we're going to share something this morning that, quite honestly, I, I wouldn't have shared unless God had really commanded me to do so. Because I understand that as we look at these things this morning, it would be very easy to see this as self-serving. It would be very easy to see this as almost complaining. And I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to be obedient. This morning what we're going to talk about and what we're going to need to be taught. And here's the thing too. This is for me too. Please understand that. This is for all of us, and I'm all of us. We're going to talk about honoring our spiritual leaders. And like I said, I could have made this easy and just said, all leaders. And we could have talked about governors and presidents and things like that. And listen, you need to do that too. But this morning, I feel like God has led us to be taught again by His Word. On a topic that quite honestly, for obvious reasons, pastors don't talk a lot about because it's hard to talk about, because again, it seems very self-serving. But I'm going to trust in a couple things. I'm going to trust that you know my heart. I'm going to trust that you also know that I believe that this is an important part of the principle that we've talked about over the last several weeks, because I've experienced this in my own life. And I want to share a story with you that I'm going to try to get through somewhat quickly, but to kind of give you some background in my own life. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Some of you know part of it, some of you don't probably know all of it. I graduated from Bible college in 2000, and within a couple of months, I actually got a position, uh, my very, very first position as a youth pastor. I'm not going to say where, some of you know where I've been. And uh, man, I was excited. You know, first job, first ministry position, and began to work and began to kind of do some things um, in the church where I was at. I remember the very first time that I was invited over to uh, some people's house, you know, in the church. And um, I'll tell you what, you get your eyes open pretty quick sometimes. And I'd been there maybe a couple weeks, and we had uh, a lovely lunch of lasagna, salad, dessert, and the lead pastor. And I was so confused by that. Hurt, didn't know what to do, you know. Didn't have a class in college that explained how you handle a situation like that. So I was quiet, silent. But he began to understand a little bit more about the church in that situation, some of the issues, and began to be there and began to see some other things. To give you some context, I was there from June and my parents' 25th wedding anniversary was on February 14th. And so I asked if I could be gone over that weekend to uh, celebrate with them for their anniversary. 
um, did that, came back. The Monday morning after I'd come back, I was called into the pastor's office. Didn't know why, just called in. And he said, uh, I'll never forget this. He said, Aaron, you've done everything I needed you to do, but I needed you to do more. I'm going to ask that you turn in your resignation. Been there six months. Didn't understand. He said, this Sunday, you're going to get up in front of the congregation, and you're going to resign. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I said, you're going to say it, because this is not my choice. I was brought up in front of the congregation that Sunday and lied about. Then things got a little bit worse. The people were upset. They didn't know what was going on. I had several people walk up to me, board members, and they said this, Aaron, you say the word. If you want to be here, we'll fire him and we'll make you the senior pastor. I said, no, you won't, because I'm not going to be a part of that. And I left. Went back home, worked as a substitute school teacher, made Christmas popcorn, waiting for another opportunity. And I thought I handled it well. But the problem was is that dishonor began to grow in my heart. And I covered it up pretty well. I kind of acted like everything was fine. Kind of continued to go on with kind of the things that I would be trying to focus in on, trying to find a new position. And I remember I was brought out to a position uh, to interview for the uh, position of the church in Portland. And I thought, man, I was doing great. I thought things were going well. I was excited. I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. They're going to offer me this job. I'm going to become a youth pastor in Portland. It's going to be great, blah, 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 blah. And I was so convinced of all this. And I was brought before the pastor. And we're getting ready to leave. And I'm going, man, this is going to be great. Man, He's going to say, Aaron, man, we want you to come. We, wanna, we want you to be a part of our church. Man, the kids love you. This is great. Everything's awesome. And you know what he looked at me? He said, you're not ready. You're not ready. I said, what do you mean? How can I not be ready? I, 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 I'm ready. I, can't you see all these things? He said, Aaron, you're not ready to move into this position again. And I didn't understand what he was saying. And I was hurt again. And I was upset again. And I'm like, God, why are you doing this to me? And once again, guess what began to build up this dishonor? Well, that guy doesn't know anything. What does he know? He doesn't even know me. He doesn't know my heart. He doesn't know my passion. He doesn't know my desire. He doesn't know all these things. And once again, it began to build and began to build. And now I didn't just have one person that I was dishonoring. Now I had another. More months passed. More time took place. And I couldn't understand it. Why couldn't I find a place to minister? Why couldn't I find a place to pour out into teenagers? What was going on in my life? And I had a moment in my bedroom late at night where I realized that my life had become a life of bitterness, anger, and dishonor. Because here's the deal. You can say, I can say that they didn't deserve honor. 
but I don't get to make that call. You see, God valued them. And by me treating them as common and as ordinary, and even waking one step further, treating them with contempt, in a lot of ways, I was keeping God from doing things in my life that He wanted to do. It took a while. It took longer probably than it should. But I finally got to the place where I felt like I could honor those men. The one in Portland was easier. <laughs> he was right. The one where I was a youth pastor earlier was harder. And so I've been there. I know what it is to experience hurt in a church. But I also know what it is to experience the healing that only God can bring. And I believe for some of us that healing comes from understanding the topics and the things that we're going to look at this morning. I'm not talking about this topic so that next week you honor me or do something great for me. That's not what this is about. In fact, I feel like you honor me very well. It's because I want what God has for you so desperately that I'll put myself in a very uneasy, difficult situation to teach you what God's Word says about these topics so that you won't waste the time I wasted dealing with the hurt and the bitterness and the anger and the dishonor that comes when we're dishonored. We talked about it earlier in the series. We talked about it a little bit last week. You see, I was trying to repay dishonor with dishonor, and that just never works because it goes against God's Word. But when we begin to, even as difficult as it may be at times, to honor those that have dishonored us, God begins to do something very special in our lives and heal us in ways that we've never thought possible. So this morning, we're going to look at this together. And again, I'm going to trust that you know my heart because I do believe God wants to use this in a very powerful way as we look at these things together. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians 5. Look what Scripture tells us here. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 says this, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. You see, these are such important scriptures that we understand because when we do the opposite of this, what ends up happening is it kind of turns the tap off in our lives. 
Like if I've done something that has hurt you or I've done something that I, I, I didn't mean to do or whatever, what we can do is when we begin to dishonor, we kind of turn that, the top off of, of that individual in our hearts, in our lives, and allow them to pour in what the Holy Spirit hopefully has poured into them. This is in your notes. It's important that we get this. When we dishonor God's appointed leaders, we ultimately stop ourselves from receiving all that God has for us. It is for our own sake that we should honor God's appointed leaders. And remember, this is me too. I have leaders over me. I have men and women over me that I have to understand this concept. And guess what? They're not perfect either. They've hurt me too. I've gotten upset with things they have done, or they, and I'm sure they've gotten upset with things I have done. But when we start to dishonor them, basically what we're communicating, even though we don't always understand it, is there's nothing they have for us that, I, that God can use to minister to our hearts and to our lives. And that's a dangerous place. Because God wants to use so many people and so many things, but one of the persons that He wants to use a lot is the pastor and the, the leader and the person in your life. Whether it be a pastor, whether it be a mentor, whether it be a parent, whoever it is, God doesn't want us to shut ourselves off of those things. He wants us to be open and allow them to be used by Him to make an impact in our lives. So, as we conclude this morning, I want to look at four ways that we can honor our leaders. Four ways that you and me can live our lives in a way that with our spiritual leaders, we honor them. We treat them as weighty. We treat them as valuable people in our lives that God has placed there. Number one, we honor them by being humble. We honor them by being humble. Look what it says, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourself as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Listen, one of the things that can cause a lot of dishonor in my life and in yours is when we think we know it all. When we think we've got it all figured out. I remember hearing this term and this word when I was a youth pastor. So I wasn't a lead pastor yet. And the person that I loved and that loved me looked at me and said this. He said, Aaron, you don't know what it is to be the man till you are the man. And when we think we got it all figured out and we think we know best... We've allowed the pride that honestly caused the enemy to fall to in, get into our lives and destroy relationships and destroy the, the things that God wants to do through our leaders. And it's so easy. It's so easy to look at it and go, why are they doing this or why are they doing that? And listen, here's the deal. Just so you know, our leaders can sometimes miss it. They can say the wrong thing. They can do the wrong thing. They can miss the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that may be hard for you to understand. But I'm going to help you understand this real simply. There has been no time in my life. I, I hope it happens. If it happens, I will be the first to let you know. Where God basically looked at me and said, Okay, Aaron, you've arrived. You've got it all figured out. You'll never mess it up again. It's not happened. I, it'll probably happen when I'm dead, and we'll take it. But it's not happened yet. 
And it's so easy to live our lives with a sense of pride. It's so easy to look at our leaders and say, boy, they really missed it. It's another thing to look with a humble heart. A heart that trusts. A heart that looks at our leaders and understands, you know what? They're human too. They're working out their salvation with fear and trembling too. And to give them the grace that we so often demand for ourselves. It starts with a humble heart. Number two, we honor them by remembering them. We honor them by remembering them. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who taught you the Word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Remember them. And listen, you can remember them in many, many different ways. But one of the best ways that you can remember, that I can remember our leaders, is to pray for them. Look at 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful, quiet lives marked by goodness and dig- or godliness and dignity. This is good, listen, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. One of the greatest ways that we can remember those that God has placed over us is to pray for them. And listen, hear me here, because I'm, I'm guilty of this too. And not, dear God bless them, be with them today, okay, and I'm off. What we see here is this idea of intercession for them. That's a deeper level of prayer. That's a deeper desire to do that. And here's the thing. Listen, I want to help you with this because I've had people come up to me in the past and say, how can I pray for you? And that is a great question. And that makes me feel so important and so valued by you when you ask that. But listen, I want to help you with this. I want to help you. So I've done something weird and different, and, and maybe you're, you think this is strange, but I've just had enough people ask me over my life in, a min, as, in ministry that, that I, I just thought this, is, this would be helpful. I have a sheet. How about that? Real fancy, old school, piece of paper. Ten things you can pray over your spiritual leaders. Ten things. Number one, pray that their first love would be Jesus. Pray, number two, pray that they will keep their marriage and family a priority. Number three, pray that they will have the mindset that true success in ministry is measured by faithfulness to God. Nothing more, nothing less. Four, pray for their purity so they will not fall into temptation. Five, pray that they will continually seek God's direction for everything. Six, pray that they will have the boldness to speak truth and the grace to speak it with humility. Seven, pray that they will teach sound doctrine. Eight, pray that they will discern what is most important and be guarded against the the tyranny of the urgent. Number nine, pray God will protect them and their family from negative criticism, unrealistic expectations, and gossip. Pray that they will have a soft heart in the face of abuse and mean-spirited people. Number 10, 
Pray they will receive the rest that they need. Ten things. Just so you know, if you want one of these, and, and I, listen, I'll be honest, like I, I, I didn't hand these out when you walked in on purpose. Because I, I don't, if you want to pray this, and you want one of these, they'll be out at the table as you walk out. You don't have to take one. But if you want to pray for the spiritual leaders in your life, this is a great guide. This is a great way to do so. And I just wanted to give you a tool because so many times I've had people say, how can I pray? How can I pray? How can I pray? That's how you can pray. That's how you can pray. Because here's the deal. As we pray, God answers. So we remember them. Number three. Here we go. We honor them by being obedient. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Now, if the verse stopped here, that'd be one thing. But you need to understand what the rest of verse 17 says. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable not to a church board, not to a denomination, to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Now, here's the deal. I know we live in a world and a culture where that obey word, other translations use the word submit, is a curse word. And again, I will remind you that I have people over me that I am required by God to obey. What Scripture here is not saying is that we have blind obedience or follow someone who is not teaching God's Word or not being accountable to God. So please understand that. We need to have a little common sense here. But we have to understand what God's Word says. Because of this topic... I put something in your notes and I want you to look at them as I read this to you because this is for you and me. We obey and submit to our leaders because God put them in a place of responsibility and accountability over us. You see, it's one thing to have responsibility. It's another thing to have accountability to God. Of course, this does not relieve individual responsibility, but it puts an additional accountability and responsibility upon leaders. You see, here's the deal. Here's what you need to understand. I have to work so hard to make sure that what I am asking you to obey is what God wants us all to obey. And that responsibility and accountability is on me from God on my leaders from God. It's not easy. It's not sometimes as simple as it sounds. But I'll tell you right now, God's word is true. And we need to understand that. Number four, we honor them by loving 
and respecting them. We honor them by loving and respecting them. There's no better scripture that we could look at than 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. You say, hey, Aaron, how do I do that? What, 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 does, what does that look like? It looks like this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I was talking to someone earlier and he made the comment to me which is so true. You can't really honor somebody without loving them. And you can't love them without honoring them. And you see some of us we think that we can honor without love. We can honor without our honor basically being these types of things. We think that we can handle it our way and not follow God's plan, God's way. Here's the deal. I understand that when we talk about stuff like this, it's very easy to say things like this. Well, Aaron, you don't know what a spiritual leader did to me. Aaron, you don't know. I came from a church where the pastor embezzled $50,000. Aaron, you don't understand. I came from a church where this happened or that happened. And you're right, I don't. I don't necessarily understand exactly what has happened to you. All I can share is what I know has happened to me and how I responded to it and how in a lot of ways, because I chose a life of dishonor for those spiritual leaders that were over me, I missed some things that God wanted to do in my heart and in my life. I don't want that for you, and I don't want it for me. As we look at our world today, as we look at the types of institutions that we have. I don't know about you, but wherever we turn, we see individuals that are doing the wrong thing. They're not handling things correctly and, and doing a lot, of, a lot of damage. And we need to understand that our spiritual leaders are not perfect. They're going to do sometimes the wrong thing. They're going to say the wrong thing. They're not going to respond in the way that you think they should every single time. You say, Aaron, and here's the deal. How do I know that's simple? Because that's me. I've done the wrong thing. And I don't know how many times I have left this place 
And I'm just speaking for me, not, not that anyone ever said anything, but I walked out just feeling absolutely devastated because I felt like I didn't handle something well. Because I said something I shouldn't or didn't, didn't love the way I ought to. You can ask my wife how many times we've gotten in the car and she'll say, great message, and I'll say, oh, I don't think it was. I didn't do this. I didn't say this. I didn't communicate this quite right. It's hard to be responsible for people that you love. But the thing that I remember for the leaders in my life and also for my life is found in Romans 13.1, and it gives me a great deal of peace, and I hope it does for you as well. It says, everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in position of authority have been placed there by God. Now, you may sit there and say, wow, well, Aaron, you must really think you're all that in a bag of chips. No. But I do know this. God has placed me here. I don't know for how long, but for today, He's placed me here. A board didn't choose that I'd be your pastor, I didn't choose that I would apply over six years ago. God placed Emily and Easton and I here to be your covering, to love you and to honor you. And I understand that I won't always do it right. I won't always say the right thing or do the right thing but I just don't want you to miss what God has for you. I don't want you to look at my life and go and allow my mess-ups to keep you from what God has. You may sit there and go, boy, Aaron, this sounds really self-serving. I don't mean it to be. I want you to have all that God has for you. And I know what it's like to turn off the tap. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to miss it again for the leaders that God has placed over me. And it is so easy to move in that direction. But thankfully, God will help us. God will remind us through His Word that he has placed those individuals there. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't God just kind of rolled some dice and said, hey, let's just see what happens. He placed us there. Not because we were perfect, but because in his ultimate wisdom and foresight, that's what he chose. So many times 
in so many ways. We can miss this. I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm sure it happened before, don't misunderstand me, but I've been in church since I was knee-high to a duck, and I've been in, I don't know how many church services I've been in, I don't know how many messages, I I mean, listen, I, I was in Bible college for four years, we went to chapel every single day. We heard a speaker every single day. You do the math, four years, seven, five days a week, and, and then Sunday, so it's you know, six days a week. I mean, that's a lot of messages. I've never heard anyone speak on this. In fact, just to be honest with you, I've told Emily this, I even told Linda this this week. Like I've talked to you about Joel, my, my college roommate. He's a pastor in, in California. We've talked, and we didn't talk recently, but, you know, we were talking. I mean, we talked, we talked recently, but not about this. But we were talking about this a few years ago, and, and we kind of joked about it. It says, here's the deal. Like, like, this is an important thing. Like, we need to share this. So, so um, what, what we'll do is we'll switch churches for the day, you know. So I'll fly to California, and you fly to Colorado, and you, you, you speak this in, in, in my church, and, you know, and, and vice versa. And, like, that would make it easier, you know. And look, I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for pastors, because I am one. But I think it's pretty clear if you look at our churches, I mean, I mean obviously you look at our culture, and we're, we're going to talk about that next week, okay? But, but if you look at our churches, it's, they're, they're rampant with dishonor. People dishonoring each other people dishonoring the leadership and leadership dishonoring the people. Ramp it. You know what? I can't control what other churches are and what they do. In a lot of ways, I can't necessarily control what happens here. But I can say this, as long as God has me here, I want us to be different. Not that we won't disagree, not that we won't do things that hurt each other, not that we won't say things that hurt each other, But I want this to be a place, and I believe God has called us to be a place of honor, of value. That we look at people and say, you know what, it's okay that you don't agree with me on this. It's okay that we have a disagreement here. It's okay that sometimes the pastor does silly things, doesn't always say the right things. We're going to value each other anyway. We're going to look at Scripture and say, you know what? If Scripture says to do it, we're going to do it. We're going to stop making excuses. And we're just going to be obedient to what God has commanded us through His Word. And I believe that 1 Samuel is true. And that as we honor God and as we honor each other, as we honor the things that God honors, God will honor us.
in ways that we can't even comprehend. Is it going to be easy? Of course not. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But in the hard things, God helps us. So when it comes to our leaders, your leaders, my leaders, in some ways, no matter how well we've done in that or poorly, God can help us do better. We can pray more. We can remember more. We can love more. We can obey more. We can humble ourselves more. And then watch what God does in all of our lives. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, this is a topic that can be hard. And quite honestly, it should be hard. Unfortunately, probably there's, there's people and there's spiritual leaders over us that would love to preach this message not as a desire for, for growth, not as a desire for more of you and what you can do in our lives, but more as a hammer. More as a way to beat people down instead of allowing you to lift them up. And Father, in some ways, that's what this message really is. It's, it's a calling up to a new level of honor. And Father, I don't know why you placed me here. I don't know why you placed people over me that you did. But Father, I do know your plans are perfect. I do know you are good. And so even at times where our leaders don't handle things quite right, God, I pray that I would still trust you. And Father, and that I would know the same God that placed them can remove them if you desire. But until those people in my life move on, until those leaders that you've placed over me have been called to something different or called away, Father, I pray that you would help me to honor them and to value them. To look at them as the blessing that they are in my life. That I would remember the accountability that they are answering to you for my life. And that I would live a life of honor towards them. That I would literally become honor extended to them. Through the way I talk, think, live, just every part of me. Father, I'm not perfect at this and I need help. Change my heart. God, find those places of hurt, those places of pain, and heal me. 
Father, we're not saying those places aren't real and they don't hurt deeply. What we are saying is that you have the power and authority to heal them. And that's what we're asking. And Father, I pray for our church family and our community of believers that this place would be a place of honor and value to every individual. And we know we can't do that without your help. But we also know with your help, we can do all things. So help us change our hearts, change our church, change our families, change our communities, change our relationships, and change our world because you have first changed our hearts. We love you. And we thank you for this day and this time. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen, a couple things. Number one, if you want a prayer sheet, They'll be out there on the glass table as you walk out. Number two, next to them, or roughly close to them, will be our sign-up for our potluck for next week for our business meeting. If you haven't yet, if you could, please sign up again so we just know what to bring or what we need if, if we do need anything. Typically, we don't. Usually, everybody brings so much. We have leftovers, which is awesome. But just in case, we want to make sure there's enough food for everybody. Have a great week. I love you and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for honoring me the way that you do. We love you, Emily and I and Easton love you so much. And thank you for allowing me to teach on something that was quite difficult for me. I love you, have a great week. We'll see you soon.